Praying for your food does not count as having an active prayer life. Pastor Nicole this week looks at Jesus' teaching on prayer in Matthew chapter 6. I'm Pastor Jason Barnett, and this is the Dirt Pastor Men Podcast. When you are praying, do not keep up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to a time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your, will your Father forgive you your trespasses. This is the word of God for the people of God. I think that the church has forgotten I think that the people of God have forgotten what it means to pray. We sit down at the dinner table, we hold hands sometimes, and we say, God is great, God is good, thank you Jesus for this food, amen. And for far too many of us, that's the extent of our prayer life. We might say, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And that might be the extent of our prayer life. I think the church has forgotten what it means to pray. On the other side of things, there are people in the church who believe that prayer is coming down to these altars every Sunday and giving God elaborate words and phrases. Instead of saying, um, when they're praying out loud, they say, Father God, be with, Father God, be with, John, Father God, be with, and they just go down the list, but they want to add a little bit of holiness by Father God being his face Hallelujah, amen. We all use these holy phrases because we don't want to look less than holy. We want to look like we are spiritual people. We want to look like we have this special relationship with God, that God will hear us. And we believe that God will hear us if we use these big phrases. I think the church has forgotten how. See, the first thing we need to realize about prayer 
is that 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray without ceasing. We have these elaborate prayers, but then they end. We have these simple prayers. We say amen, and that's the end. And we cease to pray. So how then shall we pray? That is the question that we are asking today as we dig into God's word. What does the Lord's Prayer teach us about praying? And how does it teach us to pray without ceasing? The very first thing that Jesus says in the prayer is, Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I have an amazing relationship with my dad. When I get on the phone with him, I don't want to stop talking to him. Because I know that I can talk to him about anything. My mom, not so much, but my dad. I, I love talking to my dad. He's not so much a man for words, but he loves to spend time with his kids. And he, he can tell when there's something going on in my life that I'm just, I, I, I'm holding on to and I just need to kind of release it, you know? He can tell. That's my earthly father. So our father in heaven, we need to realize when we pray that we are praying to our father. How many of us actually recognize that fact? And I, I mean, like, there are... <laughs> There are abusive fathers, and this, this might affect people's perception of God, the idea that, that God is our father. But imagine, best father you could ever imagine. That is not even close to touching God. He wants to hear from us. He wants us to be in his presence. He wants us to talk to him. <clears throat> a good father will listen to the child when the child wants to talk. But I feel like we've forgotten how to recognize that aspect of God when we pray. We view him as a distant deity. As someone off in the clouds who can't really imagine what we're going through right now. Who can't understand the stress that we're experiencing right now. So we, we feel like we can't be completely open. We're going through a tragedy and we want to we, we just want to scream and cry and, and punch somebody in the face. But we lie and tell God, God, I trust you. But we don't. We're 
we're going through a stressful time at work, and our and our boss is driving us up the wall and, and, and treating us really disrespectfully, and, and we don't we just are angry, but when we go to God in prayer, we're like, God, bless them. Because we don't want to tell God what we're really feeling. We even put a filter on, it's like an Instagram filter where it blocks out all of the bad things in our hearts. But our Father knows. So when we come to God in prayer, we need to come to our Father. Our Father knows when we're angry, when we're upset, and we need to come to Him in honesty. God, I'm so mad at my boss right now. I just want to punch him in the face, but God, help me. Help me to be more like you. God, I'm going through this horrible thing in my life, God, and I just, I just feel hopeless, God. And honestly, God, right now, I don't even trust you, and I'm angry at you, God, but help me. We come to our Father honestly. But do we? Hallowed be your name. Holy is God's name. I don't know about you, but I feel like the church has been taking the name of God in vain a lot lately. We profess the name of Jesus by the very claim of us being Christians. We bear the name of Jesus. But do our lives reflect that name? The very name Christian means little Christ. It was used as an insult in the early church because these people are acting like Jesus. They're willing to die like Jesus did. They're so crazy. They're Christians. That was an insult in the early church. But now we bear it as a badge of honor. But we don't reflect that name. We pick fights on social media over stupid little things. We badmouth our neighbor across the hedge because their grass isn't getting taken care of.
Christ has bestowed on us in vain.
of paper products and cleaning supplies, dish soap, toothpaste, diapers, toys for the kids. I mean, there was one day we came home from the store and there were, like, this porch was the size of the stage and it was filled with bags of toys for the kids. Her being provided for by a God who led us to that position. And, and yeah, we ended up finding a short term jobs here and there. Jason worked for a car dealership for about three months, and, and then I, I started working at a daycare and made minimum wage there and barely made ends meet. But then when I got pregnant with Iris, I got sick and couldn't work anymore, and you know what? The whole time I was pregnant until she was nine months old, God continued to provide for us until we ended up moving on and Jason took his first senior pastor job. But every day, we wake up and we tell God, we trust you to provide for us. We trust you to give us our daily bread. And I'm not saying it was easy. It was not an easy time. I can't tell you how many times I would cry at night because we would have to make decisions about what bills we could pay. But God never failed to provide. Give us a stay in our daily bread. Do we really trust God to give us our daily bread? Do we really trust God to provide for us? No, because we want to be in our will. And we know that when we're in our will, God might not provide for us there. We have to be in the center of God's will. So are we going to trust God to provide for us we are in his will? Are we going to tell God, okay God, you're calling me to do something that does not make sense. You're calling me to give up my job and go minister to somebody. You're telling me that I need to, to move out of the house that I bought and move somewhere else, go into debt or whatever. I'm, I'm good here. I'm comfortable here. But you're telling me to get out of my comfort zone. Okay, God, I'll do it. Because I want to be in the center of your will. And I will trust you to give me my daily bread. Keep in mind, bread's not luxurious. It's no lobster. But I'll trust you. Forgive us our debts. We stop there, don't we? God forgive me. But that sentence continues. As we have forgiven our debtors. That actually assumes that we've made the we've taken the step 
to forgive those who've wronged us. I was like, you know, 
I gotta let go of this bitterness that I have towards my sister. I have to be able to just forgive her. I'm not gonna expect an apology from her. But I want her to know I love her. I want to be able to love her better without this bitterness against her. And so I just told Jason, because I needed, I needed to verbalize it to someone. But I told Jason, I was just like, you know, I, I forgive Ivy. I forgive Ivy for the anger that she's had towards me. And I didn't know why she was angry towards me. And I wasn't expecting her to change. Our relationship has been like that since I was seven years old. I'm 30 now. I did not expect her to change. But I was at the point where I could not hold on to that. Last week, my sister reached out to me. She's been going through counseling and she realized that she's had a lot of repressed memories and a lot of it's coming back, a lot of the traumas. And she told me about the anger that she's had towards me and about the fact that she turned a blind eye to a lot of the abuse after our adoption because of how angry she was towards me. And she was bawling and telling me she was sorry. And I was able to tell her, I mean, I forgave you months ago. I forgave you months ago. I love you, I mean. We were able to talk, and for the first time in 23 years, there was healing. But it wasn't for me. My heart had already been healed. But my sister was able to experience the healing of my forgiveness because I had already forgiven her. I didn't hold a grudge with her anymore. I didn't expect that forget her to apologize to me to ask for forgiveness or for her to apologize to me to give her that forgiveness. Sometimes our forgiveness towards them 
The forgiveness of God through us, towards them, is what draws them to the cross. <laughs> but we have to we have to be willing to forgive others. Because if we're not willing to forgive others, if we're going to hold a grudge towards others, we're not really going to be able to accept the forgiveness that God has for us. You realize that? If we're, if we're going to hold a grudge because Bob down the road cut us off at the intersection, if we're going to hold a grudge against him, then really, how can we expect forgiveness for us for the huge-ish things that we've done against God. The fact that we haven't been reflecting God's grace to everyone. The fact that we haven't been living our lives worthy of his name on us. How can we expect that forgiveness for us if we can't extend it to others for silly little issues? Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. God doesn't lead us into temptation. God does not cause bad things to happen in this world. You, you've heard people ask, how could a loving God cause such bad things to happen? The answer is, quite frankly, he doesn't. He does not cause bad things to happen. He did not cause the Jewish Holocaust. He did not cause 9-11. He did not cause somebody's car to crash on the interstate and leave their family grieving. That is not what God does. Sin does that. We live in a fallen world. And as we live in a fallen world, bad things are going to happen. When we are living a life of prayer, we recognize that God is not the cause for our horrible issues. God did not put me in, a, in an adoptive home to be abused. God did not birth me into my original home to be abused. It was people's sin that caused me pain. No, instead of blaming God for the bad things to happen, we need to be praying, rescue us from the evil one. These bad things are going to happen, but God, don't let the enemy scream out in my ears. Don't, don't let the enemy lie to me and convince me that this is all you. Deliver me from the evil one. God, speak your truth into my life right now, because honestly, right now, I'm, I'm hurting. But don't let me walk away from you. Don't, don't let me.
believe the lies that the enemy is screaming in my ear right now. Because honestly, that's all I'm hearing. But I need you to speak your truth into me. God doesn't cause the bad things in your life to happen. But he does promise that he will be there with you through them. And when we are living a life of prayer, we are able to seek God in those times. When my brother was 20, he dove into a river and broke his neck and ended up paralyzed. And I remember I was talking to my youth pastor at the time, and he was, he asked me, you know, if I wanted to pray, and I was like, no, I'm angry right now. And I don't really want to talk to God. I'm angry with him. The entire time, just to be frank, I was talking to God and I was telling him just how angry I was at him. And I remember one time though, like I, I was crossing the bridge across the, the Sayusla River near my home and I, I was just walking across it and I was like, God, I don't doubt you love me right now. But I'm angry at you. I don't believe you caused this. But I'm still angry at you, and I know you are okay with that because you, you made me a man. <laughs> I'm a ginger, I have a temper, I need to be angry right now. But God, I trust you because I know that you will not leave me right now. I know that no matter how angry I am, you're with me right now. And God just Please don't let me believe the lies. God doesn't cause the bad things to happen. And we've got to stop believing that. Because if we believe that God is the cause of the bad things in our lives, we stop looking to him as our Father in heaven. We have some distance there. We stop wanting his will to be done because we believe that his will is bad. We stop wanting his kingdom to come because we don't like his rules. It doesn't seem fair that he can kill somebody off and we can't. Dad, 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 dad. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dirt Pass Sermon Podcast. If you live in or near the Greensburg, Kentucky area or find yourself visiting our community on a Sunday morning, please join us at 1030 a.m. Central Time at Greensburg Church of Nazarene, located at 31 Bluebird Lane.